Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. New Zealand awaits the cars as they get set for an overseas street fight. And Tim Edwards says FPR's got plenty more work to do since the start of the season. As with everybody, we've got quite a few issues that we're working to get on top of, and that's by no means um, you know, a bit of roses at the moment. You know, it's, we've got a lot of hard work to do at the moment to resolve some of these issues. And we ask the question, when will V8 Supercar Masters get off the ground? It's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Drivers are getting set for what will be the toughest street fight of the year to date. While all queries over poor ticket sales and promoters' financial woes have hit the headlines in the lead-up to the event, there is no doubt that all that Garth Tander is worried about is keeping that winning feeling and staying ahead of the dual champion, Jamie Winkup. Jason Richards is looking forward to returning home with Team BOC. The car is primed for a good result on home soil. And Jason Richards is tipping that the New Zealanders will win the Anzac battle as the Aussie and Kiwi rivalry is ramped up once again. Fabian Coulthard is also expected to be building on his 2008 and 2009 performances at Hamilton. Shane Van Gisbergen is also confident that he can be out in front, continuing his impressive 2010 form. Greg Murphy is looking to stick it up the Aussies as he tries to find that Pukekohe form that made him almost invincible in the land of the long white cloud. Brad Jones is tipping that Jason Bright will be in the top 10 this weekend. Jones has been impressed with the way Bright and engineer Phil Keane have been able to quickly get themselves up to speed with the trading post Commodore. And although Clipsal saw them battle with steering problems, he's confident that they are all solved and they are ready to be a threat to the established top runners. At Brightech, Carl Reindler will be celebrating his 25th birthday on the weekend. Reindler has always done well on street circuits in other divisions and is looking forward to showing what he can do now that he's becoming more familiar with the Brad Jones Racing prepared car. Cameron McConville has announced he'll be running the Enduros with Walkinshaw Performance. He has made the decision to run with HRT, the factory team, because it gives him the best opportunity to win that major race. McConville finished second with Craig Lowndes at Bathurst in 1999 at HRT. This year, he's hoping to go one better. Congratulations to Andrew Hall, who this week was announced as the 2009 Photo of the Year Award winner. Hall's photo of FPR's Bathurst going up in flames was adjudged the best of the year. Congratulations, Hawley. In this week's mini-view, we catch up with Tim Edwards from FPR. I asked him, is three 
or four the right model for V8 supercar teams? We're transparent with the fact that four is the ideal number and four is what we'd like to be. I mean, we've got quite a bit of experience of running the third car because we did so in 2008 and 2007 and 2008, actually with Team Kiwi and then with Jim Morton. So we've got a bit of experience and... I've been saying for four years now that it's the right business model, that it's suited you know, the, the partners we've had in the past, and obviously um, Rod Nash in this case, it suits, it suits them, but it also suits the bigger team as well because it helps to amortise a lot of our costs. But for sure, running a fourth car is, is, is a preferable number um, to three. What about if you... Can you go over four, or is, is, uh, is it six then? Or? No, no. I mean, four is the ideal number. I think six, you start to stretch your resources too much, um, but four is the right number. I mean, in effect, we're almost running that now. If we look out the window, there's, there's what I'd describe as three and a half cars because we've got um, James Moffat's DVS car is on the fourth hoist, so that's sort of three and a half cars we're running this year. Now, the car of the future was released a week ago. You were part of that announcement. Do you think that evolution was the right move? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't stand still. Uh, it's, um, you know, we need to keep ourselves relevant you know, whilst also looking at some of the costs. So even though there's some areas of the car that are changing you know, quite significantly from where they are at the moment, it's also the right opportunity to say, well, we'll control that area at the same time as well. So I think it's, you know, it, it almost ticks off two boxes. You know, rather than you know, at the moment, you know, if we're just focused on the rear end, there's some teams selling the back end of their car for fifty thousand dollars, and others that would sell you it for ten thousand dollars. So there's a there's a big spread of what people are doing and the amount of money people are making out of you know that area of the car. So you know by controlling that. But, you know, although we're changing the spec at the same time, you know, in the long term, it'll reduce costs for everybody. Is the cost cutting the key, or is it the... Uh, it's, it's just part of it. You know, if we made all our decisions based on cost cutting alone, you know, I think, you know, we could potentially damage the sport. So, yes, cost cutting is important, or cost... Can, uh, you know, cost reduction, but it can't be the be-all and end-all. You know, we still want to have a great championship with close racing. You know, there's, there's a lot of other parameters that we have to take into account. It's, it's all too easy to say, well, you know, this is flawed because that's going to cost us more money. Well, you know, people have even thrown that argument about the ethanol fuel. Well, in that instance, we, we didn't change to 85 as a cost-cutting measure. We kept changed for, for obviously environmental reasons. So. There's always a whole host of things that we have to consider when we make decisions, and they won't always be popular. My thanks to Tim Edwards there. That's all the news in the V8 Insiders. After the break, Tony Shebecki and Richard Crail will be along. I hope you'll stay with us. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. 
Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from SEN, it's On The Grid with Tony Shebecki. Good evening, Tony. Good evening, Craig. And also joining us from SBS Speed Week, it is none other than Richard Crowell. Crowley, great to have you on the show. Thanks very much, guys. Great to be here. It's an interesting time as we jet set off once again in the V8 supercars to see racing in what is, I guess, a much more traditional V8 overseas heartland in New Zealand, Tony. Yeah, it certainly is, Craig, and uh, it'll be good to see how these cars go over in New Zealand. Uh, Of course, we saw some great competition at Adelaide. Everything seemed to sort of even up a little bit after the domination of uh, Jamie Winkup and Team Vodafone over in the desert races. So it looks like we've had a couple of cars sort of come back to where they probably should be, uh, primarily the HRT cars, I suppose, are the ones that were uh, causing the main concern for Holden with the, the effort that they put in over in uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi. But, you know, Garth Chandler did a great job over in Adelaide. He did a great job here at the Australian Grand Prix for what that was worth. So, uh, you know, they probably will be the team to be right up there to challenge with uh, with the team Vodafone. And let's not forget that FPR also, Mark Winterbottom, just been consistently getting himself in the placings. And, uh, you know, he's also a big chance as well. Now... Richard, I guess you had a chance to have a chat to the uh, good old Tanders at uh, Tasmania, and how confident was Garth of keeping this uh, fantastic streak alive? Oh, reasonably confident, Craig. As, as confident as I think you can be or you can allow yourself to be in, in V8 supercar racing, which is so competitive. But I think the biggest thing for them, as, as Tony said, was that their street circuit form this year has been outstanding and arguably the fastest car at the Clipsal 500 and, and did such a great job there good pace at the Grand Prix uh, and went reasonably well in Hamilton two years ago. Didn't have a great run last year, but uh, there's a level of confidence around HRT that they've got the ability to bounce back from the rough start of the season they had. And, uh, you know, Craig's... Uh, sorry, Garth has um, sort of bonded very, very well with his new engineer. Things are going along very nicely. And, you know, they're not thinking championship. They're taking it one race at a time, to use that great cliche. And... Um, try and get this, just as many race wins as they possibly can. And if they do that, they'll, uh, the championship will take care of itself. So I'd, I'd suggest there's a fair level of confidence there that they'll go well. But street circuit racing so unpredictable, isn't it, guys? Like, anything can happen. You know, one brush of the wall, break a steering or a watts linkage or something like that, and your weekend goes from being potentially good to bad. So one slip-up is all it takes. So that's why street circuit racing is, is generally very, very entertaining. And I guess because it is so tough on these street circuits, uh, the four practice sessions on Friday are going to be really gathering a lot of interest, isn't it, Tony? Yeah, no doubt about it uh, once again. Yeah, they've had a bit of a break too, so obviously a fair bit of testing was done on most of these cars during the Australian Grand Prix, so it'll give those teams now who, who did that sort of testing the opportunity to, to put those methods into practice uh, at Hamilton and just see how the cars really do perform. I tell you what, one guy that I'm really looking forward to uh, watching on the weekend is Shane Van Gisbergen. I think his performance at, at the Grand Prix was just amazing. He's had a pretty good year so far this year. The Stone Brothers team really seem to have got their stuff together for season 2010. And wouldn't it be lovely to see a Kiwi take the Kiwi race after what's been a bit of a drought for him for the last few years? So it'd be great to see Shane right up there. And it's interesting, Richard, because uh, at one stage... 
if your name wasn't Greg Murphy, you couldn't get your hands on a New Zealand trophy. Yeah, and the last time Murph won a race in V8 Supercar Racing was was Pukekohe. The last time they were at Pukekohe in the in the Super Tube Car, I remember he crossed the line. It was basically dark when they finished that race. It ran so late. I think that was the year uh, Paul Morris went over, wasn't it? Uh, at the end of the start finish line there. So. It's, it's been a while between drinks for Murph. I, I'd love nothing more than to see him get back up on top of the, the podium there. I, I think that would be a brilliant story. And, you know, the Castrol car, Paul Morris Motorsport, they've learnt a lot about that car in the last couple of rounds and how it sort of reacts and, um, you know, drives differently to the, the cars that they formerly had, being a Triple H chassis. So it would be great. But, like, the gears winning on home, home uh, turf, wouldn't that just make him... I mean, he already is the next big thing, isn't he? And wouldn't that just make him an icon to those New Zealanders over there? It would be fantastic stuff and, uh, yeah, it would be a very appropriate place for him to win his first one. It was uh, interesting to see the way that he's been able to build his season this year. And uh, even though he had a bit of disappointment on the Saturday at uh, Clipsal, he still was there fighting again at the front of the field for the uh, second half of the Clipsal 500. And... uh, you you really do have to give him a lot of credit because he's always been fast, but now he's working out how to be fast for the full duration, Tony. Yeah, it makes such a big difference. Uh, and, and as I said earlier, uh, Stone Brothers, you know, after what's been a pretty lean couple of years for them, have just really seemed to have put the foot on the pedal this year and just got all of their, their policies and all of their practices right. And as a result, they're putting out a very good car for season 2010. You put that combination together, we've seen it so many times. A good car, a good driver, normally a winning combination. Mm, It is indeed. I'll get your tips now early in the show because I I am interested to see who you're going to put on the top step of the podium after 59 laps on Saturday. And I'll ask you for a Sunday winner as well. Um, Well, look, I'll go first. I've actually, I'm not a betting man, as you guys know, but... I noticed some very remarkably good odds on James Courtney for this weekend that would be worth a bit of a flutter if one was keen to uh, put some money on motorsport. I'm going to tip... Well, one, uh, one is very keen, Richard. One is one very is keen. Very keen. <laughs> well, he certainly... He was second on the podium in the Sunday race, so... Yeah, and, and he's... I think after Tanda, he's probably been the best straight circuit racer in the calendar or in the championship for the last couple of years. So I, I'm going to tip James Courtney for this weekend. I think this is his year. Um, I think it'll be Courtney and Tanda right at the front. Never rule out the Vodafone car, so let's go for uh, for Wink up on the podium. But and and Van Geers and Murph will be up on the money, and I'd love to see them one, win one of the races. But I think Courtney will be the big winner this weekend. Mm. All right, then Tony. Yeah, oh, look, I'm going to have to put uh, put pumping him up just a few seconds ago. Van Gisbergen up there on the podium at some point. I don't think he's going to win it though. I, I do believe that, that you're right though, Richard. Richard, uh, sorry, Richard James and uh, James and Garth. I think are the two that'll fight this one out. I just reckon that Hoodoo might continue for Team Vodafone and for Jamie Winkup with uh, with New Zealand races. He just doesn't seem to have any luck over there. I'm not sure where it is, but I've just got this feeling that uh, that may continue for this year. So. If you're going to twist my arm on this one, I'm going to go Garth, James and Shane to uh, to be the top three after Sunday. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I've got mine all lined up here too. So, uh, bookmakers, watch out. I've got Lee Holsworth, James Courtney and Stephen Johnson. Lee Holsworth finished Ooh. fourth and third last year. Stephen Johnson finished fifth and uh, third last year. And James Courtney finished second 
and uh, just can't think where he finished in that uh, other race. So he might have had dramas, in fact. No, no, he, he finished in 13th. So, yep. uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to say I'm expecting Lee Holsworth, Stephen Johnson in his 150th start, and also James Courtney to be uh, there and abouts. I'll tell you what, if you, if you take the team that's impressed the most outside of Team Vodafone and probably HRT in the last couple of races, you can't go past Tim Beam. And yeah. the team, uh, the, the Jim B Racing team has been spectacular this year, and you, you could be right on the money with that, Quinella. Well, I'll be interested to see, because normally I'm the kiss of death, so uh, <laughs> we'll have to see if things can turn around. I'll I know I've been what. the kiss of death to Carlton this year, so... Uh, oh, no. i tell you what, Craig, if you put money on those and, and you get them right, you'll be in for a fair old earn, too, because there's some pretty good, pretty good odds going for those guys. Look, I want to, before we go to the break, just quickly... Should there be a second race in New Zealand? Of course, the FAA rules say that you can only have one race in every country that's not your home country. So there is a FIA problem. But should there be a second race, in your opinion, in New Zealand, Richard? I seriously believe, guys, uh, Richard, if I could, just that uh, they need to get the first race sorted out. Yeah. We've heard of so many problems there in the last few weeks in regards to ticket sales and the like. And, you know, th- this event could fall down in the very near future just due to the fact that it's just going to cost too much to put on and, and I'm not fully au fait with the New, Le- New Zealand landscape as much as to say that I wouldn't have thought they're going to go back to Pukekohe. I'm not sure where else they could go from there. So let's get this first race better down in Hamilton and that's going to take a few years to get it right. What will help, obviously, is if we get a couple of Kiwis up on the podium and then people will start to get some more interest in the event. But, uh, yeah, let's get the first one right, I would have thought, Craig. All right. Now, uh, interestingly enough, I was reading some documents online, and if you uh, if you Google Wellington Street Race or Wellington V8s, uh, there is some very very interesting documents that the Wellington government, uh, city council, put together about getting that street race uh, before Hamilton even came on the scene. So, uh, there are people out there that uh, would love to have a V8 supercar race, uh, even if. The economy in New Zealand at the moment is not as healthy as our own. We'll take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel along with SEN's Tony Shebecki and SBS's Richard Crail. And guys, it's Fujitsu Series. Interestingly enough, they're still struggling, but they've announced in the last couple of weeks, well, Steve Owen is going to be riding after he's leading the championship so convincingly at Clipsal. And then, uh, well, Paul Morris will be out there doing some damage. And uh, James Rosenberg is going to have two cars in the uh, Queensland Raceway weekend because uh, Jack Perkins is jumping on board his old super cheap car. And, uh, of course, Tim Slade, Richard, will be out there in the main game. Yeah, and and that's sort of a good move for two reasons. One, it gets Jack back in the seat, which is great to see. And 
interesting to note he was uh, a race winner up at Hidden Valley at the weekend in an Aussie racing car. So uh, good to see uh, Jack still has his bum in the seat. But uh, James is trying to sell that Commodore, so uh, put a, an experienced driver in it like Jack Perkins. He'll go out uh, and surely he'll be in the top five or six up there at, uh, at QR and have a run round. And uh, hopefully James will be able to move that car on. I think he just wants to focus on the... Uh, the slave program, but yeah, look, I mean, a couple of doing with that Rod Nash car. No right to be years ago. He doing. He had no right to be finished. Absolutely. He had no top ten in that car. Top fifteen. Sister to the V8 supercars and has perhaps lacked a little bit of yeah. Racing and growing it and supporting it and and trying to encourage more people to come in, but. You know, to see you're going to help because you get a big name in a series like Steve Owen and more young guys want to go out there and try and race him and beat him. And we've seen similar things in Formula 3 racing amongst other categories. So um, I think having Steve back in there is a great thing because he's such a good benchmark for guys like Moff and, and some of the other kids in that series. So I think it's going to be a really interesting round. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be really competitive. Tony, what's your take on the Fujitsu Series this year? Well, I've made my take known to you a few times on this program, Craig. The Fujitsu Series needs a purpose. There's no doubt about that. It's known as the Development Series, but how much development do we actually see come through into the main game? If we're lucky, we see maybe one, possibly two drivers per year make their way through, but some years we don't even see that. It's... It's got to have, you're right, Richard, that backing of the V8 supercars, and it needs a purpose, it needs, it needs a reason to be there, not just for a group of guys who can't get into the main game to have their own secondary series, because that's the way it is at the moment. Uh, Steve Owen back into the series, he's one of the best V8 drivers around, actually. I, I really rate Steve Owen, and it's fantastic to see him getting a regular drive here, and hopefully he can crack it back into full-time drive. Obviously, money being the uh, the obvious problem there for him to get into the uh, the V8 series. But, geez, I was wondering how long it would be before Paul Morris hopped back behind the wheel of a, a V8 supercar for some serious racing. And, uh, well, there you go. It was only a couple of months. I'll tell you what, um, Tony, your point about Steve Owen is spot on. I mean, he's probably in the top... I'd, I'd suggest... He's probably in the top 10 touring car drivers in the country at the moment. He's, he's, he's definitely the best not racing in the main series oh, at the moment. no doubt. No doubt. Roland Dane must be over the moon to have him on the books, though, because, yeah. you know, I mean, if for whatever reason Lowndes or Winkup get forced aside for a round, the, the knowledge that he can put Owen in a car, and especially for the Enduros this year, the knowledge that he can put Steve Owen in a car and will be bang on the money from lap one and will be a contender for victories just where his other drivers are is... An outstanding thing. I mean, Steve Owen absolutely deserves a break in the main game. And, um, you know, the, the longer he's out of the main game, it's the more and more criminal it becomes. If anyone deserves a seat, it's him. What he was doing with that Rod Nash car a couple yeah. of years ago, he had no right to be doing. Absolutely. He had no right to be finishing top 15, top 10 in that car a couple of times. Uh, an amazing driver. I rate him highly. Yep. Yeah. All right, now I want to move from the development series, which uh, has got its share of problems, to an idea I was kicking over over the last few weeks, and that is when will we see a V8 Legends, V8 Masters series? Because the first generation of V8 supercars now is, is getting quite long in the tooth. They're getting up to what uh, in motorsport terms would be classed as a, a classic age, which is before historic or vintage, but it is definitely you know not current day. And... I know I've got the voice of the uh, Touring Car Masters Series, and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see that Touring Car Masters Series has captured so much imagination. Is it about time we got those first-generation V8 supercars, not in Touring Car Masters, which is a different beast, 
but certainly out on the track, getting out there and uh, letting well, people who are fans of the series in the early days have some fun. There are a couple of issues with that. And I, you're, I believe you're talking about sort of 93 to 97 sort of exactly. VRVS. Um, BA or not BA sorry um, a lot of EF Falcon spec cars is that the sort of area that's where we're about? talking yeah we're talking the, 93 up yeah. until probably yeah that that major well, change there, there are a couple of issues one is that um, there, there is already a sort of a, basically a third tier series the V8 touring cars that runs on the Shannon's Nationals program um, the, the two problems are one of them is that a lot of those old cars um, either got retired and turned into sports sedans or were upgraded. So, I mean, there were VPs running around with VS front and, and rear ends and, you know, comp- did the whole upgrade thing to, to sort of be more cost-effective and viable, especially a lot of the privateer cars who'd buy the ex-Holden Racing Team or Perkins cars would, you know, put the VS front end on because they were the same floor pan. Um, the other problem with it is, is is funding it. And the thing we found with the V8 Touring cars is that they're, they're a V8 supercar. They cost exactly the same to run as a Fujitsu car, which are only very slightly less to run than a main game V8. So the cost factor is the same. Um, and if they can't fund properly and get a full grid in the Fujitsu series, let alone V8 touring cars, which which this year will probably average 12 cars, we think, um, I'm not too sure how a, a V8 Legend series is going to be viable unless they go down the route of cost containment or um, control engines, components, whatever. But, I mean, that would probably take away some of the historic aspects you want to get. But I think the V8 Touring Car Series is probably the, the place where, you know, and that series caters for those cars right from VP right up to um, uh, VT, uh, VX is the latest Commodore eligible and, and BAs are now the, the latest car eligible. So when they're no longer allowed to run in Fujitsu, they can run in uh, in V8 Touring Cars. But it's a good idea in, in theory for sure, but the couple of little issues I think might hold something like that back. Here's a job for you, Craig. Mark Scaife worked on the car of the future. Maybe you can go away and work on the car of the past. <laughs> yeah, well, that's me, behind as always. But I, I guess where I was going with it, Richard, knowing that the V8 Tourers are on the uh, Shannon's Nationals program, is hmm. I'm thinking that you've got your Bow, you've got your Scaife, McConville, uh, yeah. Morris, for example, and uh, and a whole bunch of other drivers uh, who have stepped away from the main game. And uh, they would be, or oh, yeah, Jim Richards for that matter, they would be uh, bringing down the house. And if, if they're in a car that, well, if it got a bit beat up and it got a bit trounced, that you, you, you go, all right, they got a bit, you know, that's rubbing his racing. Whereas the Touring Car Masters, the cars are so, uh, well, it's hard to keep them on the track. And yeah. then the new cars are so expensive to be on the track, you can't have the beating and banging. I reckon there's a niche market for some people to go out and do some real rubbing. Well, the, the fun thing about V8 Touring Cars is going back and tracing the history of the car, so you can go, OK, well, uh, Chris Murden's car was an ex-Stone Brothers car driven by Russell Ingle, and before that it was raced by Ambrose for a season, and you can trace the history. I'd like to maybe see them do a couple of races where they... Um, or maybe make them, present them in sort of a historic livery or a, a, a variant of that so they can still get their own sponsorship in. But, yeah, Hold that, on. That, the, the historic livery, I reckon, is a big thing. The, the, yeah. uh, the cars that went around up on the Gold Coast last year, yeah. uh, you know, the True Blue Falcon and yep. all that sort of stuff, I mean, the crowd absolutely warmed to that, and they could relate to it. It was something they can remember. They could close their eyes and think, gee, as you know, I remember when I saw that car hit a rock up at uh, Bathurst and stuff like that. Yeah, that sort of stuff really works well. 
Well, we'll leave it at that, and I'll be the uh, the minister for the past. After the break, gas and go. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, SEN's Tony Shebecki and SBS's Richard Crowell. Guys, the white flag lap this week is gas and go. You know, it's punchy, punchy answers that we're looking for here. So we'll start the clock now. Richard Crowell, who'll be the best of the New Zealanders at Hamilton this week? Uh, Shane Van Giesbergen. Tony's not going to argue, are you? Ditto. Which of the international drivers is not that has not yet been announced, rumoured or leaked do you want to see at the Indy Carnival? No, it's the Gold Coast Carnivali. Tony? Gultard for me. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'd love to see Weber have a run, but I've always had a soft spot for the 1996 kart champion Jimmy Vassar. I think he would be great. Jimmy, so, uh, Jimmy I'm up Vassar. Vassar. Oh. I, I'll tell you. Left field, didn't it, hey? Ber- <laughs> Ber- uh, Bern Schneider is who I want to see. Will Tazzy get a contract extension to keep the V8s on the Apple Isle? Richard? Uh, Having been there at the weekend, uh, 150% yes. Tony? Yeah, I think Tassie's important on the V8 calendar. There's no doubt about that. And uh, the track's still in good. Nick, you've just been there recently, Richard, as you said last weekend. Uh, Things look pretty good down there. I can't see any reason why not. Yeah, looking very good. What does the championship need more of, guys? Enduros, events or cars? Don't oh, you have to uh, oh God, I think we've got enough cars. I think we've done well with what we've got on the grid now and holding that. And uh, obviously the car of the future is going to help in regards to keeping the cost down. So we should be able to keep around about 30 cars on the grid. That seems to be a, a really healthy number. Enduros, we've now got effectively three Enduros, haven't we? If you count the Gold Coast as being one as well with driver changes and the like, that's probably enough events. I, I wouldn't touch it. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. All right, yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I, I'd like to see a little bit more of the wild card thing like they did with Bathurst and that. And a couple of the front-running Fujitsu teams are very, very capable. Um, so maybe a couple more wild card rounds to get a few more uh, of the Fujitsu teams and give them that sniff of getting on a, a V8 gig. But aside from that, I, I agree with Tony. I think it's bang on. Financially, where will we see the series in 2012, given that that's when the Car of the Future is launched? I think the biggest issue V8s are facing, aside from that, is their next TV contract, which uh, I believe comes up in a year or two years. Um, They're talking big money, but ratings this year haven't been impressive, so um, it's going to be interesting to see how much more they can extract out of a a TV broadcaster for that. So I think that's going to be one of the key things. But I I think financially the series is pretty sound. Um, It's a good business for the teams. Uh, there seems to be a lot of corporate and financial support, and the events via supercars are promoting a, a healthy in terms of attendances and uh, sponsorship. So I, I think financially they'll be uh, they'll be pretty good. 
yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you there. And uh, look, I, I think One HD is going to do everything they can to get the V8 Supercar yep. Series across in two years' time, and uh, that's just going to secure the Australian Grand Prix as being around then of the V8 Supercar Championship. It'll all be happening. Now, I think you're right. They're, they're in a good uh, they're in a good world at the moment, and uh, I think that's going to continue. Well, that's gas and go for another week. Brought to you by V8X Magazine, and of course, it's on sale now, Tony. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Everyone can listen to you, whether it be in Melbourne on SEN or around the world at sen.com.au every Sunday morning for On The Grid. Certainly can, Craig. Always great to talk to you too, buddy. And you too, Richard. And Richard, of course, the, the big, big, big feature on SBS this week. Formula 3s, of course, are there, but uh, we're going to see you in that uh, sports car, mate. <laughs> yeah, there'll be footage of me on Speedweek spinning a uh, Porsche Jetty 3 Cup car at Simmons Plains, so that'll clearly be more exciting than any of the racing that'll be going on. I look forward to uh, showing the world. Looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bit on. It was good fun, though. <laughs> it always is. Thanks, guys. Wrecking someone else's money. That's uh, always <laughs> the way to do it. Hey. The rumours of me flat-spotting four tyres are just completely out there. That was, no, it was only down. three. That's right, it was only three. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> As the checker flag waves over this edition of the Man Insiders. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.